Hi, I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to Friends with Elephants. A show for the cool nerd in you. It's season two, episode 17. Wow. Like, we're quite a ways into our season, aren't we? We're not talking to you. What? We're not talking to you. Why aren't you talking to me? Because I'm losing so hardcore in this series survival. We also got some suggestions. I know this we did. Week. I saw the suggestions. I I don't know why you put it out there for people to make this suggestion. I'm gonna have to do ridiculous things. <laughs> well, I might have to do ridiculous things. Uh, you're not two points down. I know, but there are three more episodes during which anything can happen. Thank God it's not the first segment. How about we just get to that? Let's do it. It's time for a top three turf war. This Friday, pop star Never Stop Never Stopping, uh, starring Andy Samberg, which looks like it's totally a ripoff of Justin Bieber's life. Absolutely. Also, it looks really good. It looks pretty funny, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's the first film by The Lonely Island altogether as... uh, as a threesome. So they all wrote it together. Mm. But the two Lonely Island guys who are not Andy Samberg are directing. That's very cool. Nah. Anyway, so we thought, okay, pop stars coming out. What can we do? Well, what if we did the best movies that starred an SNL alumni? And this was super hard. This almost should have been a top 10 tour for. Oh, I did a top 10 list. I know we're only doing three. But I will be getting to my honorable mentions and the rest of my list. I love it. I didn't I didn't compile a list of 10. I got to six because I stopped myself because I was like, this is it. I have six. That's more than enough. When to do you from. ever have self-restraint? Good for you. I know. So I why know. don't you kick us off? All right. My number three movie starring an SNL alum is A Scanner Darkly. Featuring Robert Downey Jr., who was on for half a season. He was on for half a season. Is it starring Robert? I've never seen the film, so I can't say. But yeah, like, yeah. Where it, is he? It's in him the... and Keanu. Oh, it's him and Keanu. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, the movie is just so cool. It has been a really long time since I've seen it, so I, I admittedly can't at this moment argue like crazy detailed about it. But the movie was just really groundbreaking. It was the first time that we've really seen that type of filming where you actually have the actors go through all the filming and then you have drawing on top of them. Right, right. I remember that. That was I think that was Richard Linklater. It was Richard Linklater. And and it was just it's a really dark and like cool world that it exists. It kind of reminds me of Naked Lunch. Like it's very sci-fi that in its own way and very strange to throw into this mix. <laughs> Can I tell you, though, my number three also is a Robert Downey Jr. movie. Really? What is it? I de- you know, I debated because I feel like he's he is alum. He is a part of the cast. He was there for a little bit. He was a part of the cast. If you're a but, part of the cast, you count. But it didn't really. Fe- he never. I never think of him and go, oh, SNL. Like I think of other people on my list and I'm like, yep, SNL. Right. But he not so much. But I had to put this on because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, directed by Shane Black, starring, full-on starring Robert Downey Jr., co-starring Val Kilmer. Maybe the funniest 
I've ever seen Val Kilmer in a movie ever. I've actually never seen that movie, but I have heard fantastic <gasps> things. I've heard what? fantastic things about it. So both of our number threes we've never seen, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's like a detective throwback film noir, and it was one of the first movies that launched Michelle Monaghan into the mainstream, even though she never really she never really found her footing. I guess the biggest she ever got was Mission Impossible 3, but it's such a comedic film, and it's got murder and bodies and scary and I do love awesome, but a good like you're action laughing comedy all the way through yeah he, Shane Black also did the nice guys which came out last week which I saw on Friday and that was I really was, want to see that quality movie. Was I really want to see that movie not so kiss bad. kiss bang bang but I hold that at another level but I really like the nice guys I liked I really liked Russell Crowe I never liked Russell Crowe and I really liked him in it um, so if you haven't seen the nice guys go, out, but if you haven't seen kiss, kiss, bang, bang, it's number three on this list for a reason. It is hilarious. It is amazing. It's so different than anything you've seen. I almost, I'm like ready to give it to you. You can have that with the number three spot. Well, what's your number two? Maybe, maybe we have different. I know we have no, we have difference. There's no way that we, I, I doubt that we have any overlap. Okay. So what's your number two? My number two is the Royal Tenenbaums. Which features Ben Stiller, who is also a cast member. Sure. I mean, you're going all these like obscure members of SNL. <laughs> well, you, it was best movies with alum. I know, I know, but I couldn't I couldn't do that at number two. Now, I love Royal Tenenbaums. It's my favorite. Is it my favorite? I think it's my favorite of all the Wes Anderson Me, films. It's my number one of all the Wes Anderson films. Because Wes Anderson sometimes gets a little too quirky for me. I actually really liked... Um, there was genius in Royal Tenenbaums that just like, oh, I don't know. You can, I can rewatch that movie and rewatch that movie. It's palpable. Like, it really is. Like the whole family unit. Mm -hmm. It's like you could cut the tension and it's strange, but it's these really rich, interesting characters that you only want to spend that amount of time with yes. and then leave. And then you're done. Yes. But that time you but can... I feel that way with a lot of Wes Anderson films. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um, my number two is a classic. Uh, when Harry Met Sally starring Billy Crystal. That's my number one. That's your number one. That's my number one. Okay. <laughs> so I... So at least we... Okay. There is so overlap. I think we have an overlap... When Harry Met Sally, there's, oh. there's not a lot you can say. It is such a good movie. I actually, I always thought it was like a, a regular old rom-com. I'm not a huge fan of those. I really enjoy watching them when I'm sick. It's like the second I get a cold, I'm like, oh, let me just lie in bed and watch awful rom-coms. I don't know why. And so I, I didn't watch this movie for so long because I was like, ugh, rom-com. And then a friend of mine actually forced me to watch it. And we sat down at his place and he like watched it with me. And oh my God, it it's is a such a good movie. And the dialogue propels the story over years. You kind of think it's going to be this, oh, maybe it's a summer of love kind of thing. But this is over years. It is what friendship. I would call an epic love story. And one that is real and one that like you just... You really enjoy the characters. It's new, and it's almost one of the first times that I can say that, you know, that's not a movie that's for females. It's not like, um, you know, Made in Manhattan. Anybody can like this right. movie. Right, It's not, 
It's not something that someone is going to say, oh, that is chick flick material. Exactly. It's not chick flick material. It's very profound and it's very touching. And, and Billy funny. Crystal is Billy Crystal's wonderful. so good in it. He's so charming as a leading man. What's interesting is that I never really like, I don't picture him like that guy, but he totally pulls it off in this movie. And he, I love him at the beginning of the film when he's all swarmy. It's like yes. swarthy with her. Swarthy? Is that even a word? Ugh. Swarmy? He's a wormy dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, so that's your number one. That's my number one. So What's I'm, your number one? Well, my number one stars Bill Murray. Okay. Stars Dan Aykroyd. Okay. Is Ghostbusters. That's your number one. That's my eh? number one. You think that's a better movie than When Harry Met Sally? I think that Ghostbusters will be one of the... Time will make this more than a classic. And this film will go down in history as something that people think is one thing, but is really just a great story. I'm... The first time I ever saw Ghostbusters was with you, actually. I know. We saw it at... uh, in a park. Yeah, 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 yeah. At a free summer screening, which they got to be starting up soon. So we got to do some of those. I agree. Um, but I really, I loved it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I don't think, though, that I would say it's better than When Harry Met Sally. It is so much fun. It's fun, but it's less profound. I would say it's less of like a good movie than When I Harry Met Sally. I think more to the script. In Ghostbusters, I think Bill Murray carries the film even better than Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal do. See, I, I don't know I because think I think there's elements of Ghostbusters that then devalue the movie, like the whole the ending bit. Which part of the ending? Just the entire climax. It just got Ray. I don't know. I was not. I didn't get drawn into it. It got more about the ghosts and the action and less about. If someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Or when they're all trying to think of nothing and he thinks of Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. These are hilarious little asides that Ivan Reitman is putting into his film because they're ridiculous and they're fun. And I love that this film from like 84 just went there. Was like whatever. We're just gonna have a good time with this. This is this is not something that you can pull for. I don't even know how this script got written because it's not like it's it's something you can pull from. You know, I had a friend for a really long time over the course of my life, and we're now we're now together, and we're thinking about getting married. Like, and and here's the story of our life. This is this is how do you pull the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man into existence into a film like this? Where you're fighting ghosts that slime people. Like, it just, it is so much fun. It is endlessly rewatchable. It's fun, but it's not profound enough for me. And at towards the end, when it does get to be kind of ridiculous and crazy and the world is opening up and we're on the top of the building and stuff, I don't know. I tuned out a little, I gotta say. Maybe it was because we were watching it in a park. I don't know. Maybe we were all... We were all just relaxing. It was summer heat. It was. It wasn't that hot. But you have you have a weird you have a weird like anti warmth thing. If you're in Toronto, you know that last Friday when you when we recorded this, it's hot in this city. 
it's nice in the city. It's uh, like what it should be at all times of year. Okay, so let's figure out this list. Okay, so I, 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 what I, if I we do we Ghost when Harry met Sally as one at one because we both have, and then Ghostbusters at two. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Okay. And then my suggestion would be Tenenbaums at three. Tenenbaums at three because it's your number two. Mm-hmm. Tenenbaums. Although you did make me really bang, want. Bang. Yeah. Okay. So you've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So, okay. And I haven't. So which of those two movies is the better movie? Well, Royal Tenenbaums didn't even make my honorable mentions. That's fine. But like, so, let's just so talk about those I two movies. What makes Kiss Kiss Bang Bang better than Royal Tenenbaums is what I'm asking. Like from a film perspective, like let's I go. I can watch Royal Tenenbaums once every five years. I can watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang once every six months. I'm going to ask you to look at it from the point of view of a reviewer. Like let's say we're reviewing overall quality. Sure. Acting, uh, directing, um, like the editing of the film. The writing quality. Okay, so the writing is better in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Writing specifically to the dialogue of the characters because it needs to be because it's one of these detective films that speaks very quickly. All of the lines are kind of asides. Um, and because of that level of writing, I think the acting is there as well because you have these two extremely likable people who are just spouting off jokes, just... It's unbelievable how quick they are with each other. You know, he throws the gun into the lake because they just shot somebody who was trying to kill them. And he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, and throws it in the lake. And the private eye, Val Kilmer, looks over and he's just, why did you do that? That was a gift. Why, why did you throw it? It's like, oh, I threw it in the lake. So the, It's like, oh, my gosh. Do you know what the definition for idiot is? <laughs> And Robert Downey Jr. is like, uh, oh, no, no. He says, I've totally screwed up the line now. But he says something <laughs> like, what do you think it says under the dictionary for the definition of idiot? And he's like, a picture of me. And he's like, no, the definition of idiot, which you fucking are. Like, just these one-off asides. Or uh, he's called Gay Perry. And he's like, oh, Gay Perry, any meaning there? He's like, no, no, I just really like it, you idiot. Like, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just... It's just, oh, it's so funny. And Val Kilmer is just ripping on Robert Downey Jr. The entire film, the the film's story is incredible. Um, okay, so what does Royal Tenenbaums have on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? I feel like cinematography. Cinematography, 110%. Uh, but it sounds to me like characters maybe are better in... the. Well, I think that the acting is better in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but the overall characters are better in, are Royal, better Ten in Royal Tenenbaums because you have a long time to flesh out these characters because it's a drama. There's not a lot of action going on, so you can actually really I would say see. it's a comedy. It's a dramedy. It's a dramedy, yeah. yeah but yeah. You, you can you can see more of their story because mm -hmm. they're not running away from people trying to shoot them. I do love a good action comedy. We were talking earlier today before we did the podcast, uh, well, or hit record rather, um, about what is our favorite type of movie. And I had to say action comedy, I think is my favorite. I, you know what? I'm, I feel like after this podcast, we're going to have to watch kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I agree. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's put it in the number three spot. Okay. So what, so we've got a list. We've got a list. What are your honorable mentions? I got to do this. Cause I gave it, I did 10. Okay. Do it. Do it. Uh, number four, parenthood starring Steve Martin. Never seen it. Number five, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, starring Steve Martin mm -hmm. and John Candy. 
but John Candy was in SNL. Bridesmaids, starring uh, that's Kristen that's on Lloyd. my honor, honorable mention list. Shrek, starring Mike Myers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Old school, Will Ferrell. That was on my that almost made it, and then I stopped writing. That's when I used my self restraint. And then, so I married an axe murderer, Mike Myers. Oh my god, I I saw that as a kid, but I remember I really loved it. What made mine was Horrible Bosses with Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, love that movie. Okay. That scene where Charlie Day gets high on cocaine is probably one of my favorite things. See, I saw that movie. I had a lot of fun with that movie, and then I felt like oh, I don't have to go back to it. Oh no, not me. I did love you it. see the sequel? Mm, no, no, yes, yes. The sequel's not any good. Um, <laughs> uh, Seven Days in Hell with Andy Samberg. Have you seen this? No. Oh, ha, 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 oh wait, ha. this is the mockumentary of yeah. the... Okay, no, I haven't seen it. You have told me to see it, though. I'm, like, obsessed with it. I've seen it three times, I think. And is I only it, discovered it, it, like, less than a year. No, it was on... It's an HBO original production. Oh, amazing. I got to check it out. Um, also, there's something about Mary with Ben Stiller. That is such a hilarious I know. Movie. Ben Stiller went under my radar on this one. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I even thought about Zoolander, but it didn't make it. But there's something about Mary. That movie really did make it for me. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. All right. Well, let's do the list. And let's we'll do on. it. Uh, I think I you did it last time. So should you I? do it. You do okay. it. All right. Cool. Uh, number three. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, starring Robert Downey Jr. Number two, Ghostbusters, starring Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. And the number one SNL alumni movie of all time is When Harry Met Sally, Billy Crystal. Woo! Very good list. <laughs> Let's drop some science. Science, science, science. That was See, pretty that's brilliant. All that's right. good. You just gotta just cut that out. There you go. There's an <laughs> intro. Uh, okay, so I read a very cool article today. I'm gonna lay it down for us. Apparently, there was a new study recently that like proves that Trump has won the Republican sort of. Now he's the Republican nominee. Um, he's gotten his delegate count. Uh, and he did this primarily because he used his voice the best out of all of the candidates to subliminally influence voters. Now, what does that mean? What? Yeah. Well, the Acoustical Society of America in Salt Lake City. That's um, where the science comes in. They analyzed all the ways in which several presidential candidates alter the pitch of their voice depending on the situation that they're in. And apparently that this is actually a really key factor to just succeeding in life in general and in particular in becoming a presidential nominee. Uh, so one interesting little okay, tidbit. Can you, can, you do, can you show us? Can you do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like do like say the sentence, my cup runneth over, but do it in, in, in Trump talk to subliminally get <laughs> me to like you. Well, no, but it's, it's not quite like that. So it's all about situations. So when Trump is in a debate with another candidate, what he does is he actually shifts his voice down to his lowest frequency um, and he makes it a lot lower. So he goes down here. Yeah, he goes down without it being like 
you know, going down. He does it in a normal way, but he goes down to the lower end of his register. And that has been proven to actually like assert dominance. So, so the, what you're saying, what you're telling me right now. Yeah. Is that when I get all worked up in our nerd battles. Yeah. What I really need to be doing. Is going down. Is going down to this. That's it. I'm talking Barry White style. That's it. Okay. So when you do this. When you're in a debate, that's what you do. So when he's in debates, he goes lower, which makes him more manly and testosterone filled, uh, which makes him more powerful. So okay. that's why he's winning these debates because of his voice. Now, um, there... This actually also happens in the animal kingdom, interestingly enough. What? Yeah. With like roar noises? Yeah. So like a lot of mammals change their like frequency of pitch uh, when they're like going on and like they're asserting their dominance. So like if two lions are going off against each other, they're going to go really low to prove which one is more manly. And like... A lot of it, the animals too, like the male animals and their breeding, they try to do their call to prove that I'm the most manly of the animals. So if I go down here with my voice. It makes you more attractive, apparently. More manly. Oh, well, thank you. But my question to you is, does it work with the opposite sex as well? So interesting enough, when... A presidential candidate is in a debate with a female. So let's say you're a male presidential candidate and you're in a debate with a female. If the female has a super high-pitched voice, then people will perceive you as being overly threatening to the female. <gasps> what? So y you're perceived to be like attacking her? Yeah. Oh my God. But if she doesn't have a crazy high pitched voice, then it's a different story. So I think with Hillary Clinton, I don't think she has an overly high pitched voice. So. so I don't think that that will be an issue. But that could actually, any very high pitched voice female candidate may never get to be president because she's too high pitched. And to people think she's always on, like, under attack. Yeah, or like it just takes away from her ability to be strong. Interesting. Yeah. And so there's more. There's even more than that. So then also, uh, if you're addressing large masses of voters at like rallies or all that kind of stuff, then you need to have a wider range of frequencies. So if your voice actually, like the more monotone you are, the less you're going to win. Of course, because you're trying to convey some thoughts to a really large group and you have to be captivating. And that's the thing. So like this ability to have a lower register, higher register and move between them and also change the volume of your voice, be loud one second, then take it back and be a little bit quiet. That is actually perceived as very charismatic. Which is what we try to do actually on this podcast. Because if you and I were having a conversation and it was down here the whole time. It, it would probably just, be super boring. And why would listen? anybody listen? Why would anyone listen? Yeah. But we talk with our hands and we, we get into it. So super into it. That's super <laughs> important so that you can feel that we're like in your ears. Exactly. Screaming in them sometimes. Yeah. We're going to change the name of the podcast to Yelling at Mics. <laughs> um, so would, would you use this technique yourself? If you have a board meeting or if, you know, if you're in a fight with Blake, are you going to use this? Well, yeah. So now that I've learned these things, like I feel like if you're in a situation where let's say you want a promotion, go in there with your like lower pitch register. Like, you know what I mean? Because at that point you're subliminally telling that 
person, let's say your boss who you want that raise from, that you're in a position of power. And they and and they've also proven through other studies that we tend to complement each other like without thinking of it. So if one person goes up really big, the other person will just naturally like shrink back a little bit. Given that, as long as it's not like in an actual adversarial situation because then both will puff up and then that's a whole different thing. Right. But if you're like asking for a raise, you can probably use your lower voice. I do find that whenever I am in a meeting or I need to actually convey something, one, I have to slow down my brain because my brain operates at a, I, in fact, this is, this is a true story. And I don't know, maybe there's some guys listening who this happens to you all the time too, but at work, I will start conversations in my head and then I will ask the question to my boss thinking she's already well into my head and I'll be like, Hey, so, uh, I think we should do that thing. Ryan's asking, right? Meanwhile, she's, she may not have gotten to that email. She may not have any idea what I'm even talking about, but I, you know, I've said, so Stephanie in that wall, right? Yeah. And she's like, what is going on with you? I do that to Blake all the time. Um, Maybe just because we're around each other a lot. At work, I tend to actually do the opposite. I, I, If I'm in like those situations, I tend to sort of be like, okay, you have to explain beginning, middle, end. You need to start everything. Um, oh, absolutely. So I will, I, like I was saying earlier, I have to slow down my thought process so that I can convey it properly and communicate that properly. And that often just leads... To me, speaking a little bit lower because yeah, I am trying to lower, think of what I am saying. Slower. I'm not a stuff. robot. <laughs> I'm not a robot. <laughs> but I am trying to slow my brain so that I can actually convey that. So, um, wow. Well, it looks like it's working for Trump. I mean, he's got the Republican nomination. Freaking, or at least he's close to. I think that Bernie Sanders needed to take this course. I mean, he is was is was he's been so close. You know what I mean? Like every single primary vote you're like holy shit it's almost 50 50 like you might as well she's like 51 he's 49 and that's almost everywhere it's insanity to me but one thing that he does really poorly is he always has the same yelling voice like his yelling voice does not fluctuate no and and i've i've heard people mention and i've talked to people who are like Oh yeah, I don't like that he yells all the time. I'm like, really? Like, I'm you. You're gonna choose a presidential candidate because he's like yelling. Like, you're gonna say no to him just because he's yelling. But in reality, that's what people do. Yeah. So it's it's really important that we all kind of actually stop and think about how are we talking, how are we using our voices. I like it. That is a good drop your science, and our American listeners were really really sorry for you come election time because unless you're a Trump supporter, uh, you know, vote how you want to vote. But we just vote. We in Canada are looking at this like what the shit is happening down there. Yeah. And we're not paying for your wall. (laughs) It's movie time. It's movie time. It's time for talking movies. I like it. I know. That was just out of nowhere. That was a good one. That made no sense. It was like Disney cartoonish. Who knows? The complete opposite of the movie that we watched. It really was because we watched Sleeping with Other People. We asked you to join us. Hopefully you did. This is a movie starring Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie. It's on Netflix. 
So if you want it's to pause the podcast and watch it, it's a 90-minute movie. So good. Oh, my God. What did you think? Did you like it? Well, yes. <laughs> very much so. You're not the first person to recommend this movie to me. Um, in fact, a friend of mine said, I have to see it. Must, must, must. I think I talked about it last time. You did. He said that he and his uh, fiance are like Jason Sudeikis and his wife in the film. And I must say that if they are fantastic for them because they're delightful. They are delightful. Um, but this movie is really about Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie having this friendship that becomes this relationship that becomes full-blown love but without any sex without any anything and i did you there's a line in this well film. kind of i mean the first time that they met they had sex well okay so here's the spoilery part of this obviously there's you can skip always ahead. spoilers you can skip ahead if you haven't seen it and you do want to watch it but here's the deal so the very beginning of the movie opens up and allison brie is banging on this dorm room saying why aren't you gonna fuck me tonight and jason sudeikis is down the hall and he comes out of his dorm and he looks down the hall and he's like um crazy person why don't you yeah she's here with me and takes her back to his dorm where he's like very 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 nice you you left out a key part of that sure the reason why she goes back to his room and he says she's with me is that she's about to be kinked out of the dorm she is about to get kicked out of because the dorm. Because of all the heck that she's raising all over the place. Right. So she's damsel in distress and Jason Sudeikis comes and kind of makes sure that she doesn't get in trouble for being crazy. I think he sees a really cute chick and goes, and scre- I want to meet her. Well, And she's also screaming at the top of her lungs that she wants to get fucked tonight. So he's kind of like, all right, well, I- I'm going to help her. And he's a virgin. They both are. They both are. But he, he doesn't know that right away. They V-cards to one another that they night. They do. Which is lovely. It's so cute then at the end that they, you know, they're the first and last person that they'll ever sleep with. Do you think that that was creepy? What? Like that he went in and he brought her into his room and all that. Was there any part of that that was like, ah, kind of creepy? Not even a little because it's university and that's totally normal behavior in university. You're way at that point in your life. You're young. You're adventurous. You're not really thinking about things. It's not like he forced her into anything. He was like, yeah, she's with me. And she was like, yep, I'm with him. And then they went and hung out in his room because where else are they going to hang out? And, and I, plus, love, I love the line college, of we want to smoke drugs and watch porn together. Oh, great, great line. Great line. <laughs> anyway, so the time pass. Yeah, time passes. Like 12 years. And maybe longer. They bump into each other again. At a sex addict meeting. Yes, that is correct. Um, and she's at a sex addict meeting. Let's be honest. She's not really a sex addict. No, she's just addicted to the one guy whose door she was pounding on the whole time. In the beginning of the movie. In the beginning of the film. Um, and she, you know, ruined her relationship by cheating on that. Cheating with the guy from the beginning. You know, cheating in general. She has been cheating on people she's been dating with. This guy from college for a long, long time. A long, long time. And so she bumps into Jason Sudeikis, who actually is there to pick up chicks, basically. Because... A hundred percent. Although she went slightly more traditional uh, sort of route in, in like, where she takes her life. Uh, he went... He just became a man whore, really. Well, 
you know, they sort of edged over it at the beginning. It was pretty clear, like, he was kind of in love with her that night. He was waiting for something special, and there was never anything that special again. Yeah, it's very true. Very, very cute. And then they get into this beautiful friendship that lasts a year. The timing was weird. Like, when all of a sudden it had been 10 months. Yeah. I was like, whoa, it has? When did that happen? Yeah, but you know what? I didn't mind it because the movie occasionally skipped. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just had that. It was like, and something would happen, then we'd fast forward, and then we'd pick back up years later, 10 months later, whatever. And um, and so, yeah, so they had that year where they became really great friends, and basically he just, he, he was in love with her. and He was 100% in love with her, but they weren't going to make a go of it, and... They did some crossing the boundaries conversations, or maybe they didn't. But to them, it sure wasn't. It was no. pretty normal. They had their little safe word of mousetrap, which I thought was so cute. So cute. Um, so whenever either one of them was like, um, I want to jump you right now, mousetrap. Then- but then it was funny because as the friendship progressed, they stopped using it despite still having those feelings. Right. You had that amazing scene with them in bed. Yeah. Where they weren't doing anything. They were just laying in bed because she had an awful night. And he had, well, he had a, uh, he got laid. He had a fine night. Yeah. And came up and they were very, very, they were just so decent to one another. And they were being honest. And he told her that he loved her. And she said it back. And then she said, I almost cried at this line, actually. She said, what do you want to do about it? And he said, nothing. I, I love you for free, Lainey. And I was like, that is an amazing line. That is an amazing line. I love you for free. Like there's no reason to do anything about this. There's no doing, I love you for free. And that is so touching. And it's so true in this world that we live in with like stuff and money and you know, does he take the boxes? Do you have the right job? Are they good looking enough? It's not about that. And that's the beauty of this movie. And I think why it's so good. It's like kind of like the new generations when Harry met Sally. I would not say as good as when Harry met Sally, but it's in that vein. It's a movie about love for anyone. I agree. It's uh, it's some there will be something about these characters all of the characters, really, that you will resonate with. Okay, let's talk about some of our secondary characters. Okay. Um, in particular, let me just pull it up on IMDb. Mm. Oh, I found him. They did it in order of appearance. Okay. In particular, Jason Manzoukas. Jason Manzoukas. That's how you say it? Manzoukas? Manzoukas. He is, uh, he's actually on the How Did This Get Made podcast, so I know his name very, very well. He was also in The League. He's yeah. in all kinds of stuff. He's I love that guy. All kinds of stuff. He did a really good job. He he did a few episodes on uh, Brooklyn 911 this year that he was really good in. Um, so I think that he's super talented, but sometimes he's just like so far out there, especially in the league, that he's no longer funny to he, me. Yeah, he, he gets like wildly creepy. 
Yeah, like it gets, it's like, it's like so past funny that it's no longer funny kind of thing. But in this film, you get him as a normal human, a normal human being. But with his brand of edginess as a normal human being, oh my gosh, it was like gold. I've never seen anything like it. It was fantastic. That scene where you meet his wife for the first time in the bar and he's screaming out because he just made all this money and he's just like, I just bought a Tesla. And it's just, <laughs> it's just like, no, don't tell people that. We're just borrowing. It's like, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> like, he he's so much fun to watch. He's so much fun to watch. And to watch him be him as a normal human, because he is kind of wild and zany, unbelievable. I, or at the near end of the film where they're at the soccer game and he's yelling at his kid, like, uh, <laughs> he tells his best friend not to... Um, not to yell at the kids because, you know, that's not right. And let the kids be kids. And then he starts yelling, you have to earn my, my love. <laughs> it's like, you get in there, killer. Like, oh, my gosh. It was just so funny. I, I, I just I loved all the like random comments about like, ugh, life and how it like sneaks up on you. And next thing you know, you're a parent and everything sucks. Um, but he's still kind of happy and excited and loves his choices I, I just i don't know i thought he was really great i thought uh i thought the person who played his wife was fantastic yeah she well. was also fantastic andrea savage what a good name too that is a great name she's been in a ton of stuff okay that is a that's a that's a sexy name yeah andrea savage andrea savage put that away lock that away lock that away <laughs> Um, and she was fantastic to watch. The man who played Matthew, who that's Adam. What's Adam his name? Scott? Adam Scott. I love Adam Scott, man. He, Ever since Party Down, he is so different in this role. But and, and like, but perfect. But perfect. Like you genuinely hate him. Hate him. You so just much. hate him. You and, just you look at his face and you're like, oh, your face, which is funny because I don't normally look at Adam Scott and go, oh, I hate your face. But normally in, it's like, oh, it's it's Adam Scott. It's yeah. Exciting. But he just did this so well that you're like, I just want to punch you. And then in the end, when Jason Sudeikis punches him, you're like, yeah, yeah you're <laughs> like, of course you would. Of course you would. But then he yells out, this is for my girl and his relationship that he's been working on and I totally believe that he hasn't been lying he's he's just moving on and she's there and they're moving on together cuz he really really likes her and uh, it was just very it was a sad moment when Paula walked away from him it was yeah and Paula was made uh, played by Amanda Peet uh and she was really great but you know what I I th she represents so much to me like she's the perfect on paper person the person that you get along with and there's nothing wrong in your relationship. But at the end of the day, that that there's not that undescribable quality that you can only have with that one person that you're going to be with. Like right. everything is there except for that thing that you can't even put words to. And and she knew it and he knew it. And I think she just she realized it at that moment and had to walk away and she didn't even hate him for it or, or anything. She was just like, she was just, I have to walk away from this. Yeah. Like I can't, it was a very sad moment. And he me. was sad and she was sad. Everyone was sad because he did really like probably by that point, cause it was 10 months later, love her in his own way, but he wasn't in love with her. 
And he had a great line to get her as well, too, when he brought in all the paperwork. Oh. Because this person's his boss and he's making $5 million a year or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, so basically he sold a company to this other company and now she's his boss. So she can't date him. Or she has a rule that she won't date her employees. Yeah. So he walks in with all this paperwork. He's like, oh, I just need you to sign here. And it's like, I need to know what I'm signing. It's like, oh, it's just so that I can transfer all my stocks. And because, uh, you know, I'm going to resign and all this. And she's like, why would you? Well, I can't sign this. Why would you do this? And he's just, oh, so that you'll go to dinner with me. Like, I have to do this just so that you'll go to dinner. Yeah. And then she looks at him and she's like, why would you throw away, like, all that money? Or like, no, why, why did you think I'm worth it or something like that? Why do you think I'm worth $5 million? And yes. he looked at her and he said, why do you think you're not worth $5 million? Great line. Great line. Great line. And, and yeah, I mean, he had so many good ones. And, and they really were perfect together. And, in fact, he had just lived with her before the sleeping and I love you for free line. Of course. Yeah. I mean. And she sent him off to go. She was like, I can see you oh, need yeah. to go with your Oh, yeah. And when they came friend. back, she was just like, how was Paula? Was she nice? Yes, she was very nice. Mm. Like, it was. It's such an interesting pairing. Yeah. I, I just really enjoyed the hell out of the film. This is just, I, I don't know how to describe it, but like if you want a movie that's funny, but more than that has a lot of heart and is really, really relatable, uh, watch this movie. It is definitely, definitely worth it. Series Survival. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, I love the bombs. <laughs> We're back again. We're looking at the fate of television shows. Um, do we do we release our suggestions yet, or do we wait till the end when we've like uh, collected them all? I think we wait. For okay, the yeah. Suggestions, yeah. The suggestions from our listeners. Yeah, but I we do want to say thank you so much for reaching out and awesome. for giving us suggestions. That's huge. It's pretty big. Now I will say this. Um, before we get started, if you are joining us for the first time, Series Survival is about the TV shows that are being renewed and canceled at this time of year. Now, back in fall, Ivana and I took and placed our bets on what we thought might be renewed or canceled. So this is what Series Survival is about. We're going to talk about three shows. We have their status and we got to figure out what we said way back when. And if you're just joining us now, uh, we have asked you listeners to suggest an embarrassing thing that Jay and I could do or whoever loses this series survival roundup. Right now, I'm down by two. Uh, so your suggestions are coming in and we're going to do one of them. We're going to film a YouTube video of it and post it on the online interwebs just to embarrass the heck out of ourselves. It's true. We're going to do this. So what's our first show today? So our first show is an ABC comedy named Dr. Ken. I remember watching this in the fall and I remember thinking. It's awful. This is awful. This is awful. There's no way. No, yeah. I, so I've even tried to see an episode of it. I couldn't get through a full episode. I was like, this is so bad. But yet you said it was going to be renewed. I said it was going to be renewed. I said, this is like two broke girls 
people are going to watch it. And it was slated to air on Fridays. And Fridays are days that you don't need crazy, crazy ratings to stay on the air. And it was, in fact, renewed. So I get another point. And I lost. I said <laughs> it was going to get canceled because it just looks so bad. And it is so bad, but here it is renewed again. You're up by three now. This is so good. Look at you. You're just so <laughs> proud of yourself. Damn this silliness. All right. Our second show is a CBS show and it's Code Black. It's a medical drama. It's like a procedural medical. And basically it was renewed. But we didn't think that way back in fall. Yeah. Way back in fall. We thought, we both thought this show didn't have the legs to to get renewed again. We knew it was a procedural. We knew people loved procedurals. But we didn't think that from watching the trailer that the characters would be hooky enough. Like, we thought they'd be way too boring. Well, apparently not. We both said it would get canceled even before season one was over. That's true. And that's rare for us to say. And yet... It's renewed, so we both suck on that one. Have you ever seen? Have you seen it? Have no, you seen, no, I will I, not watch it. I don't. I don't have any interest in it. I know. I know. And then our third. Okay, so this one is a CBS show as well, Limitless. We thought we it, both saw it, and we thought, okay, it's an adaptation from a film, but it looks pretty good. It looks like they have a really charismatic lead. It's, it's a the procedural. guy, he was in Greek. He was like the bad guy boyfriend from Greek. Don't know what you're talking about. You didn't watch Greek? I never watched Greek. You know this about me. I don't know why you don't watch Greek because it's totally up your alley. I don't know. I just never watched it. Oh, man. Something about the frat system <laughs> throws me off, but... We both said, hey, you know what? This this one, it's a procedural, charismatic lead. Totally going to get renewed. Canceled after first season. Yeah, the ratings just weren't there. And I mean, admittedly, I saw the trailer. I was like, I want to see this. I remembered I loved Limitless. And Bradley Cooper was even in the pilot, which oh, is pretty right. damn cool. Yeah, they sort of let off of the film. Yeah, so I mean... I thought that that aspect of it was going to like launch it right up, but it really, no, no, it didn't. It just died. So those are our three series this week. And, and now it you're down like three. I'm down three nothing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it's not three nothing. It's just you, I have, you have three less correct predict predictions than I do. See, I think what Ivana did back in fall was I would say what was going to happen, and then she had insider trading knowledge, so right. she'd say something else. Because I knew or, the future. Or she'd just agree with me if she didn't have that future knowledge. <laughs> because that's what seems to have happened quite a bit. <laughs> that is it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tune in again next week. Um, but before we sign off we'd like to take a minute and just give a quick shout out to hamlin crew from the u.s who left us a crazy amazing review yeah it was so amazing he suggested that you all let your inner nerd shine which i you know i think is very nice because we we are nerds we are nerds and we are trying to reach the cool nerd in you we say it at the top of every episode we do <laughs> And I, I'm I'm hoping we're reaching out to Hamlin crew, who probably Rose crew. 
I mean, really, let's think about this for a second. This guy has crew in his name. Yeah. He probably is a rower. Maybe he's part of a crew, like a cool crew of people. Oh, well, either way, those guys are way cooler than we are. Yeah. So he, he so obviously the fact knows that a he, thing or two that about he's this. like, okay with listening to our show. I feel like that's a really big compliment. I feel like that's a big compliment. Yeah. A hundred percent. So thank you so much, Hamlin crew. And if you would like to help us support the show, we would really appreciate it. If you could just take a few minutes from your day, hop onto iTunes and give us a quick rating and a review. It really does help grow the show and it helps it show up on the new and noteworthy section. Well, we're not new anymore, but now we're noteworthy, hopefully. And, (laughs) (laughs) and, and, and like Google searches and all that jazz. And if you'd like to reach out to tell us something that's on your mind, you can check us out. Such as just by the way, a suggestion for an embarrassing thing for you to do during series survival. Well, thank you for rubbing it in my face again that I'm losing. <laughs> so if you want to tell us what obviously Jay should be doing when he loses the series survival standoff, you can check us out at friendselephants.com or Facebook slash friendselephants. Email us at friendswithelephants at mail.com or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. I'm at Jester J. Thank you so much for spending some time with us again. We will be back next Monday with an all new episode. Till next time. Nerd on, Ella friends.